Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Bowman, the host of Side Door, a podcast with candid conversations with world-class entrepreneurs. In episode four, I spoke with Aparna Saxena, CEO of Taraja Mello, a social enterprise that creates clothing and gifts from woven materials from different communities in rural Indonesia, about the job that a CEO of a social enterprise has. Today, my guest is Milia Wunada, co-founder and CMO of Du Anyam. Like Taraja Mello, Du Anyam is a social enterprise that works with female communities to create wicker products. They were the official merchandise of the 2018 Asian Games, and their products have won awards like the Inner Craft Award in 2018. Back in 2008, when I had just returned from a year in Thailand, I had wanted to start an e-commerce business shipping these beautiful sandals that I had discovered in the small town of Pai in northern Thailand. I soon discovered that it was a logistical nightmare and I didn't have the cash to fund the business. This was long before I knew what an angel investor was and after a few months of research, I moved on. I bring that up because my conversation with Milia brings up these old memories. Her story of Du Anya makes me think of what could have been if I had ever gone through this idea with the sandal business. Du Anyam is a purpose-driven brand who has three core pillars, empower women, promote culture, and improve livelihood. In episode two of Side Door, Charlotte Kawara's advice was to build purposeful products. And I think that Du Anyam is an excellent example of this philosophy. I start my conversation with Milia, learning about the background of Du Anyam, its mission, and how they work with women in the island of Flores. Hi, Amelia. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jesse. Thank you for inviting me today. So you are the co-founder and C- CMO of uh, Du Anyam? Yes, correct. And uh, before we get into you know, who you are, can you just give us a little uh, spiel on what is Du Anyam? Yeah, of course. So Du Anyam stands for Dua means mother in local dialect and anyam means weaving in bahasa so du anyam literally means mother's weaving we are a social enterprise that produce handmade products to promote and preserve traditional culture whilst empowering and improving the livelihoods of rural women in indonesia today du anyam empowers more than 1200 women weavers across 50 villages in three provinces in Indonesia, which are in East Nusa Tenggara, Papua, and South Kalimantan. Okay, so, you know, a social enterprise, you're working with a lot of rural uh, areas, right? But you're located yeah. in Jakarta, correct? Sorry, come again? You are, you are located in Jakarta? Yes, we are based in Jakarta, so our headquarter office is in Jakarta, but we do have regional for operational and production office in each of the provinces. And you're from Jakarta? Yes, correct. I was born and raised in Jakarta up until um, I graduated high school and then I went to Melbourne for study. And then after that, I went back to Indonesia and started not long after I started to Anyam. Yeah, so tell me, can you give me a little... Uh, information on your background and then how uh, how you started you know came up with the idea to start this company yes so um, was founded back in 2014 by three high school friends turned business partners 
So it was me and my two other partners, Ayu and Hana. The three of us first brainstormed about creating the startup back in 2012. At that time, we were having the same interests and passion about the social enterprise business model. And by having different backgrounds and expertise among the three of us, Ayu is in public health sector, Hana is in community development, and myself in business. We came together as a team and finally decided to pilot our very first project in Flores Island, East Nusa Tenggara, with only eight women weavers in a small village called Duntana. So we started very small in one village and then we grew in the past almost six years to empowering more than 1,000 women in 50 villages in Indonesia. So you, you started this company <clears throat> after, after university. Did you have a, like a nine to five job or did you, you just jump into uh, this path of entrepreneurship? Uh, yes, I did. So right after my graduation, uh, my parents asked me to go back to Indonesia and involve in a family business. So I was actually studying biomedicine when I was in uni um, in Australia. And my plan at that time was continuing my, my study and work in Australia, basically. But then things changes. My parents asked me to go back and then uh, having raised in a family business culture since because my parents are also entrepreneurs. Um, I, I have like a, a business kind of like um, knowledge or learning since I was uh, still very young. And looking at my parents, I also had uh, dream uh, that sometime you know in the future I uh, would really like to have my own thing so I went back to Indonesia and started uh, to work in a company I have like a 9 to 5 job uh, in sales and marketing something that I have never learned in uni as well but I learned it when I was working and at that time, I felt like I got into the, the daily uh, things or activities uh, in my job. I really like, like, you know, meeting with the new people, uh, having a networking <coughs> here and there. And uh, that is also ended up when I was talking with my other two partners in Duanyam. I feel that I can be a very good addition um, to Duanyam if we are creating this venture coming from the business angle. Um, so we feel that the three of us uh, with different expertise, with uh, different uh, backgrounds as well, uh, we could be a very strong uh, team in, in building and growing Duanyam up until where we are today. And, and you said that when you first started this company, <clears throat> you worked with, uh, I believe you said, eight women in, in a Flores community? Yes, correct. So how, uh, first, how did you connect with these, these eight women? And then uh, can you talk to me more about like the relationship uh, 
with them and, and how that connects with your business? Mm-hmm. So uh, why Flores Island is probably like the most common questions that we have received. So um, Flores Island has been very close to our hearts since high school as it is Hannah's, one of the co-founder family hometown. So I mentioned that in the very beginning, the three of us are high school friends. So we've known each other for more than 15 years now. And right after Hannah graduated from the university, she started to pursue her career in rural community development where she decided to live in Flores for about four years. So Hannah is the one who led the approach and discussion to the community, to the village head, to the local government, um, other stakeholders, as well as the women weavers community during the ideation process of Duanyam. It was not instant, uh, JC, for, for the process. So we've, we have brainstormed about it since 2012 and 2013. And then it took us almost like a year before we decided to uh, create this venture. So uh, it includes some researching process, like some due diligence, talking to the women weavers, um, you know, identifying the local problems and so on. Um, so we decided that we pilot with uh, eight women weavers in 2014 and then we started to expand um, to do expansion to 17 villages in 2017 and now we have like more than 50 villages right now. So the relationship with the women weavers, so they they are Duanyam's partner in production. So in every village, Duanyam together with the weavers will select one weaving coordinator, giving her responsibility to lead and manage the quality and capacity of the production to fulfill the incoming orders. So by having this weaving coordinator, they will help us in uh, getting the production done as well as our uh, communicators uh, from Duanyam's officer to you know uh, more than 1000 uh, women weavers uh, in our community so you had said that <clears throat> these these women had some some problems, some obstacles in their lives, and these were part of your initial conversations. Uh, what, what are these challenges that they faced? So um, the main issues that we have identified is actually the very poor maternal and children's health. That was the thing that we found first when we did the research and the due diligence on the ground and we tried to identify the factors you know the, the reasons why of the very poor uh, health um, maternal and children's health in the area so we found that there are two socio-economic factors behind it the first one is a lack of cash so the women weavers 
um, usually get the income from agriculture and we understand that agriculture uh, sector is not uh, stable throughout the year because it really depends on seasons. So in sometime in the year, the women will not have enough cash to leave to you know purchase nutritious foods to pay for their children's education and so on. And the second one is um, due to lack of um, job availability in the area, the women still need to do the agricultural work even when they are in pregnancy. So this is this causes um, malnutrition cases in which there is imbalance between the nutrition intakes uh, by the women and when they are pregnant, it also affecting the newborns. So that is like a malnutrition cycle that we saw in the grounds. So uh, from there, uh, we try to ask like, okay, um, is there anything or is there something that we could do to help, especially to increase their monthly income? And then after that, they can use this additional income uh, for access to access better health service for, you know, for savings, if they have like an emergency needs and for paying for the children's education. So we believe that by empowering the women, we are actually empowering the whole family. So that's how we were asking if they have some skills or capacities that they actually can do outside agricultural sector. And turns out that they have weaker weaving skills that has been passed through from generations. Um, but the problem with the weaker weaving uh, products or the weaker weaving skills that the women have, they have never seen it in a commercial ways because most of the women has the ability to do it. They have never seen it as, you know, um, an activity that can give them some earnings. Okay, so you're you're helping these these women and these communities generate income from a skill that they've already been <clears throat> honing for years, generations. Uh, yep. I'm okay. taking a look at your website, and you have a variety of different uh, wicker uh, weaving products, right? So yep. you have some like hampers, you have like business um, briefcases, purses. <laughs> baskets yep. like a lot a lot of different things uh so <clears throat> how you and you have these relationships with uh these these females across you know you said 50 different communities yeah. how how is this process are they creating like a a basket themselves or are they creating like the the wicker weaving and then sending it to you and you are then transforming that into these more modern products that you you sell on on your website yes um it is actually a mix of both jesse so um Anyam has two product categories 
fashion and home accessories. So in the fashion category, do anyam design bags, briefcases, wallets, pouches, slippers, and other small accessories, which combine cutting of wicker sheets that are made by the women weavers, and then do anyam design and combine it with other supporting materials like canvas, leather, cotton, etc. Whereas in the home category, um, most of the products are 100% made by the women weavers, where they create these beautiful baskets and boxes using a traditional weaving technique and patterns that have been passed through generations. So uh, these baskets are normally used as flower pots, laundry baskets, kitchen storage, and others. So here, Du Anyang try to promote and preserve traditional handicrafts and weaving technique as well as the raw materials from each region. For example, in Flores, we work with palmyra leaves in a three-dimension hexagonal weaving pattern, if you can see it in our website. Uh, in Papua, we play with tree bark in checkered weaving pattern. And in Kalimantan, we work with purun plants. So basically, those materials grow abundantly in each region. And it is actually part of the local heritage or the local traditions from each area. Each, each region has their own unique style, and then you can <clears throat> transform that into a different, uh, yes. different type of product. So did you start with the, the traditional weaving that was fully, fully coming from these communities and then you, you grew to the, where they, you're taking their, their weavings and, and combining it with other materials for more fashionable products? Yes. So we leverage the existing weaker weaving skills and products at first. But uh, from the very beginning, we already introducing like a little bit of a design inputs, especially in terms of uh, sizing. So, you know, normally these women weavers, because they create these products just for themselves, just for their personal use, they do not really pay into pay attention into the, the details such as, you know, the product sizing. Whereas when we uh, were actually trying to sell the products in the market, we received a lot of feedbacks on, you know, the size of the products, the color of the products, and we finally creating this standardization and grading of, of each of the handmade products to, do, to our women weavers so that they can um, improve their skills as well as to create better and better products like over time. So we started with whatever that they have and then we had a market feedback and then we tried to give like a little bit of a design inputs uh, and then we extend to the weaker sheets uh, because it's, it, it is basically like um, an easier uh, products to make and to standardize because they just creating this intermediary materials 
and then we cut it into you know bags, wallet, etc. Depending on the market demand or the market inquiries, right? A pet peeve of mine is when people try to differentiate social entrepreneurs as a subset of other entrepreneurs. Just because a business is purpose-driven, which data has proven consumers want, doesn't mean they don't have the same problems as any other entrepreneur. Social enterprises are not charities, and by separating them, in my opinion, it perpetuates this misconception. But the reality is, growing a social enterprise is hard. They still have to answer questions about growth, revenue, profitability, like anyone else. In the case of Duanyam, because their production is in partnership with women in Flores, they have to think about their business a little differently. If they want to expand, they can't just open a new factory in Vietnam. Melia and I dive into why Duanyam products are popular and what obstacles and variables her and her partners had to consider as they grew the business. You're creating these these products and. Uh, it seems like you know people really enjoy them and love them. Is there like a a reason why people really like your products? Like, uh, is this social purpose that you you have intertwined with your brand uh, a key reason why people buy from you, or is it simply because they see uh, the quality of your products and and think this is great and we have to buy it? Yeah, yeah. So uh, since the very beginning, our aim is to create a highly designed, high quality and functional products because we feel that no matter how awesome is our impact story, the products that we sell needs to be really good. So people buy our products not only just because of the social impact that we are creating for the community, but also um, the products that they are need they, that they need basically. So definitely the uniqueness of the materials, the quality of a handicrafts that we are, you know, creating a benchmark on the functionality of the products are are the top three things that we are uh, trying to create up until today so every product brings a sustainable and eco-friendly feels and touch to it as we use the natural leaves as part of the product so the you know the the beautiful traditional weaving pattern and colors also attract um, the design um, and the the customers' eyes. Not to forget that every product also comes with a story, where in every purchase the customer has taken part in empowering and improving the livelihood of rural women in Indonesia. But the impact or like the social story is like a cherry on a cake, you know? It's, it's an additional additional uh, stuffs that is good, but we need to make sure that the product is also lovable by the customers. Yeah, so I think that that sounds like you are taking the steps to uh, separate yourself from a, uh, well, I guess a lot of social enterprises get confused for nonprofit organizations and mm-hmm. 
people don't realize that they're their businesses right and they're generating revenue and income right i've, I've spoken to yeah. you uh other <clears throat> social enterprise ceos and i think that's one of the biggest misconceptions and obstacles that they've yeah. they've run into uh so for you you guys have been going at this for on you're on your sixth year um and you you have like a a fairly complex operational setup right because you have uh you have all of these different communities in rural areas uh yeah. then then you have to <clears throat> create the products and you you've it sounds like you've iterated these products over the years to get to this modern design that you know to create products that people want to buy um my, i guess my question is throughout all of this growth like what has been some of the biggest obstacles that you've run into that have you know i don't want to say caused problems but made it more difficult for you to to grow as fast as you may want to mm -hmm. yeah um there are i think uh two things that we feel that are still an obstacles for duanyam the first one is definitely logistics <laughs> as you mentioned as well we work in different villages we work in different regions and especially we work in the rural areas in indonesia logistics in indonesia is still very very expensive and it contributes to you know higher cost of the product which will affect the higher price in the market as well sometimes we receive that you know uh, market feedback in in like okay why is your product uh, is in premium and then uh, you know it it actually parts of the of the shipping and the logistics that we need to bear as well uh, by working with the rural communities in indonesia well uh, we have been anticipated this by you know doing like a bi-weekly or monthly consolidation shipment to tackle this problem meaning that our production planning inventory system needs to be closely monitored over time otherwise we will be just like having troubles in getting our products um, to our headquarter office in in jakarta and the second thing is actually about the balancing the supply and demand as uh, duanyam mainly serves uh, b2b or business to business or wholesale clients in um, running our in, in our business basically um, sometimes you know we need to meet with a very short timeline in delivering our products to the clients we need to be able to be um, flexible and uh, open for customization for our clients. Sometimes this has been um, an obstacle as well. Um, you know, the product market fit because changes uh, of a product in the community is not as easy as, you know, flipping your hands. Like if you are working with machines, probably it's, it's easier to, you know, double, triple um, your production time in seconds but uh, working with the with the women uh, we uh, also need to plan we need to uh, have some time to be able to fulfill uh, certain orders so 
Duanya has been um, getting inventory upfront to be able to serve uh, these rush clients um, so that uh, we are, as a business, we are not losing uh, the customers that wants our products, but in a very tight timeline. So we can still serve those type of customers, whereas uh, for the other customers, we try to uh, having, you know, aligning our expectation and yeah, alignment basically between the customers and the and the production timeline, so that we can fit into a win-win partnership. My guess, my question is, you are you you're go, you're working with these communities and they're hand making all of the the weavings, mm-hmm. and so that poses a, a problem with the production, like you said, right? A machine, you can just like crank it up and, and double production yeah. if you want. So how do you balance that? You know, you said you're stockpiling um, inventory so that you can, you can handle these orders that are more immediate. Uh, but do you, do you tell, tell these women that you, they need to produce X amount of uh, baskets or weavings per month, or is it, um, is there flexibility where, you know, maybe they make a hundred and you, you can pump, pump it up to 130 a month or like, how, how is that relationship and, and process with these communities? Yeah. So, uh, the first one that we do is actually to ask the women weavers to create the intermediary products instead. So, you know, the weaker sheets that could be cut into bags, cut into sleepers, wallets, pouches, etc. Because it involves a value-adding process uh, to the finished products, right? So, by having the intermediary um, materials as a form of weaker sheets, um, our capacity can jump because uh, it is not dependent on only the women weavers in the rural areas, but it, all, it has contributes a, a home industry in sewing and stitching, for example, uh, to be able to keep up with the demand. So that's how we can see that there is like a, a, a growing in our business because we, we also um, try to... Um, mix this production in the materials and as well as the production in the finished goods. And then um, about the, the strategy on the ground working with the women weavers, normally we have a forecast. So with the production planning as well as the demand forecast, especially for the basketries. So in the home accessories category, um, 100% of our products are made by the women weavers. So um, only a few percentage uh, of, of it are going into value add process if we need, you know, we need to add some handles and we need to add some covers and so on. But basically, if you order baskets, so 100% of the baskets are made already in Flores and we ship it directly to Jakarta uh, for and ship it to the clients. So uh, we have, you know, identified as well that uh, what are the best selling products. And from there, we uh, try to keep 
a minimum stock in our inventory in Jakarta so that whenever the stock is getting low, then uh, we will reorder it to the women weavers to create and to replenish that stock. So that's how we have been uh, working with the women weavers, um, especially about the inventory of the products that we need to have in our warehouse. But um, since most of our clients for home accessories are international buyers uh, so we are doing export for the home accessory accessories category uh, normally we will have like some contract orders with the clients so instead of we are creating products for the inventory of duanyam we have already planned that okay this certain orders are going to this specific buyers so trying to um, meet the expectation from the clients as well as the production is basically um, the main thing that we are trying to to offer here hey i wanted to get into your wholesale versus retail business mm -hmm. <clears throat> so retail people are coming to your site uh, directly to buy these different items and then yeah. you have, you have a whole wholesale business and I'm assuming this is what you're talking about with the international uh, yeah. buyers where there are people in other countries who like the designs and the products and they're buying them so they can sell them in their stores yeah correct and so which I mean is there is wholesale a bigger and piece of the pie as far as your business is concerned or do you guys have a, uh, an emphasis on seeing wholesale or retail growing faster in the next you know, few years? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, since the very beginning, Duanyam has been focusing on uh, business to business um, sales um, and the growth of the B2B business requires you know, track record, professional services and a good relationship with the clients for us to be able to attract new partners as well as to maintain our existing clients, right? So uh, we have been building our brand uh, among the top of ethical craft gifts and amenity suppliers in Indonesia. And we have built the team to manage every account in Duanyam from both domestic and international buyers. So B2B business has been our focus up until COVID-19 hits. So we are basically um, having our online stores for quite some time, but it has never been a focus for Duanyam uh, since then. So normally if we have some uh, you know, extra inventory to sell in our warehouse, then we will, you know, sell it in retail. But our focus is mainly for the B2B business. So since the COVID-19 hits and with the situation right now, we have no options to not strengthening our retail arms. Um, so we uh, put more effort in our online retail stores and marketplaces. We make sure that 
our brand, our products are, you know, easy to reach, easy to find, easy to get in digital platforms. And I definitely can see that, you know, because of the COVID-19 situation, customer behaviors will change um, in the future. Like um, probably uh, B2B business, which is more like an offline um, kind of approach and strategy so far, will turn into more, you know, online instead, you know, getting, getting orders, like not only from the retail customers, but also getting orders from the B2B customers online. And then um, making sure that the products is well um, displayed in our online stores are the very important things and the homework that we need to do um, at this moment, uh, JC. You're, you're telling a story that seems very familiar to a lot of people with COVID. Uh, they've, it's forced everyone to innovate and, and own their own distribution channels and their e-commerce channels. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, you had an existing retail business before COVID. How, mm -hmm. and you've said you've had a renewed focus on it and have have you run into or what are some of the lessons that you've learned in this in these past three months of of trying to ramp up um, your e-commerce sales? Yeah, so um, a lot of things needs to be done because e-commerce online stores are very high maintenance, right? We need to make sure that the products, uh, photos and images, as well, you know, all the details about the description, sizing. Um, and you know the product spec are uploaded online so that whoever that see the products can get the the right information and can get the the same expectation of what they will receive after the purchase like will it be the same as the one that they see online so um definitely it is a huge change um in duanyam because as i mentioned normally like for example, my uh, business development team are, are targeting for, you know, B2B customers. But then um, most of our clients, you know, especially from the hospitality sectors, they have closed their doors for a while. They closed their doors for like months. So they stopped like receiving products or, you know, they stopped ordering from us. So it has been a huge hit in which um, we need to be very agile from the business development team, we started to, you know, um, get into uh, and finding partners or collaborators in selling our products, selling it in retail, for example. And then our operational team also uh, faced like a new challenge because normally they pack like, you know, 100, 500 products in, in a box and then now they need to do like, you know, a, a very detailed packaging for each of the customers that uh, uh, purchase our products. So um, I feel that in the past three months, we have learned a lot about the, the B2C market, which is something that we have never been uh, putting our focus on. And definitely like in, in retail, we can certainly get the loyalty of the customers um, when 
we actually create like the very functional products and you know easy to use and uh, in modern design so that they can relate to their daily lives and they can use it in 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 daily lives so that is i think the lessons that we were facing right now in in running the the retail business where do you see the company being you know going in the next five ten years right you <clears throat> you've built out this, this wholesale business uh COVID has forced you to uh kind of refocus on on retail uh so now you you have kind of two major channels for growth you have these 50 communities <clears throat> established uh like what is this vision that you guys are seeing for or do on them in the in the in the future yeah um so basically before the COVID 19 uh hits uh, Duanyam has already uh, started to creating our uh, scale-up plan because, uh, you know, in the past five years, we grew from, you know, one village to 50 village, from one provinces to three provinces, as well as uh, the increasing demand of you know, varieties of traditional crafts, not only, you know, weaker crafts, but also other other traditional crafts, basically, in Indonesia. So we see that there is still an untapped uh, demand um, in which our existing clients um, have put an inquiry in, like, you know, for example, they need um, crafts from different areas in Indonesia or they need a different crafts from fabric materials like you know for example batik or the tenun or the ikat fabric so um, we have been trying to source that, that products uh, to be able to fulfill the demand from our customers but uh, through the exercise and through the experience, it is not easy to find and to source um, high quality products and to get, you know, the, the stability in the production and the capacity that they that we can get from from the other uh, craft SMEs. So uh, looking at this. Um, challenge and issues, uh, I may say, uh, Duanyam started to uh, think of uh, creating an ecosystem for craft SMEs in Indonesia. So this was in 2019. And after that, we COVID-19 hits, we feel that um, everyone literally is forced to be more digital literate so we uh, accelerate our plan that have been um, put since 2019 to create this ecosystem for craft um, SME Indonesia where they could get you know some learnings and trainings to sustain and grow their businesses so they could use uh, 
um, a simple all-in-one mobile apps for their business performance and growth to be able to access bigger market and this um, system is basically built by built based on Duanyam's first-hand uh, experience so um, a lot of problems that we saw a gap between you know the craft SMEs as a supplier and also the market for for the demand is basically um, the capacity, the communication, and the expectation alignment between these two uh, parties. So, for example, uh, if we are talking to like one crop suppliers, and then, hey, um, I need like you know one products um, from you, and then they will say very easily that okay, this is one product, and I'll send it to you. But when there is like a huge, you know, orders, uh, huge orders value, for example. Um, for example, like the buyers needs like a thousand products, the craft suppliers might not be able to fulfill that demand because they have no um, system, they have no uh, notes or like any documentation on like what is their production capacity, what will be the delivery timeline, can they get the product in the high quality for the thousand pieces and then how uh, will be the 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 transportation or like the shipping to the clients and so on so we feel that this gap is still very huge between the craft smes and the market and duanyam is going to be um the connector of this craft smes with the with the market basically that sounds that sounds ambitious and it sounds like it's it's got a lot of potential uh with <clears throat> with indonesia and all these these out, outlying communities what um how can people get a hold of of you the company make a purchase get involved where are you guys online yeah, so we are having our own website at duanyam.com where can you where you can do your purchase there. You can also get our products in few online marketplaces like Tokopedia and Shopee. So other than that, you can also reach us through uh, WhatsApp. Uh, as we have our customer service that can um, communicate directly with you and to assist your inquiries. All right. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and, and talking to us about Duanyam today. Likewise. Thank you so much for the last one hour, Jesse. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Side Door Podcast. If you haven't already, I appreciate you subscribing to the pod on Spotify or iTunes. Give it a five-star rating if you'd like. I'd appreciate that. Or you can visit the sidedoor.fm website and subscribe to the episodes directly into your inbox. It'll be on your right-hand side of the webpage. I've got some great episodes coming up. I hope you keep tuning in. I appreciate the continued support. 
As always, stay curious. Thank <laughs> you.